Welcome to the first episode of Consider This Question for 2017. The question here is, what do we think of the other churches in town, specifically here in Stillwater, Oklahoma? One thing to note before you listen to the podcast is that an omission of a church from the conversation shouldn't cause you to draw any particular conclusions. There are really great churches in town that don't get mentioned, and there are churches in town where we would have concerns about their particular theology that don't get mentioned either. So, failure to discuss a church really doesn't mean anything. That said, let's listen. Welcome to another Consider This Question. Uh, It's the beginning of 2017, and interestingly enough, this podcast is probably one of the first ideas that we had uh, a while back. Um, We're going to be talking today about what we, and let's be honest, we're really kind of speaking, we recognize that we're leaders. I'm I'm in the studio today with Ryan Vincent in our adult discipleship area, and Drew Moss, who is in our college ministry. And, um, you know, when, when, we, when we talk about this, we don't want to definitely pretend that we're speaking for everyone. Um, and we also don't want to pretend that we're not leaders. Okay. So we've got a responsibility um, as leaders, as Christian leaders, as Christian leaders in a real context at Sunnybrook Christian Church, dealing with the question, so what do we think about other churches in Stillwater? And, uh, you know, there's lots of reasons why I think this is an important topic. Um, but I'm going to begin to just kind of throw it out with you guys. Um, you know, we're not trying to stir up controversy unnecessarily, but we do want to address topics. This podcast is designed to maybe address some of those topics that we don't get a chance to spend a lot of time in the pulpit speaking on or in one of our teaching contexts talking about, and yet they matter. So we're not trying to, again, stir up controversy, but we're trying to be very direct and very honest that we do have a lot of beliefs. So um, I, I just can't help but, you know, we, you, I don't know if I've ever seen another podcast that tries to do something like this. I believe there was a there was a conference a number of years ago that tried to address some of this stuff called Elephant Room, in which a number of pastors got together and said, hey, let's talk about the stuff that nobody seems to want to talk about. And not in the terms of hot topics, but like how do churches have different ideas and philosophies and stuff. And so I just want to begin by throwing this question. Um, Drew, you're the most anxious in the room, so I'll, sure. I'll kind of throw it up at you. At you. Um, like, should we even be having this topic? Should we be having this conversation about what we think about other churches in Stillwater? Is it even right for us to do so? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you could you could maybe get me to doubt whether we should be doing this on a podcast <laughs> um, and putting it on the internet. But <laughs> as far as whether we, yeah whether this is the best form or not, maybe maybe we could debate that. You know but what? I, I don't I don't think you're kidding. So no, honestly, I mean I don't yeah. think you're kidding. I think you're being serious. So let me yeah. ask you this question. It's kind of well, like a lot of things tell, I say. Yeah, tell me I'm why. half joking and half yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's no, actually I mean, a good point. Yeah, probably. a person could you you could make the argument that this is maybe not the wisest because. Because we don't have the time to be able to, um, uh, to be able to kind of discuss all the finer details of things. It's not a conversation in which someone can ask questions and we get a chance to clarify these things. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you could make a case that this might be a little bit foolish or something like that. You know what I mean? That that we could, I don't know, cause some problems that yeah. that are unnecessary that could have been avoided by a, a cup of coffee rather than sure. kind of stuck on recording, right? But I do believe that it is a right idea and a good thing <laughs> that to That being be. said, <laughs> let me continue. <laughs> we don't know if this is a good idea. We haven't really thought this through. But the tape's still rolling. Tape so we gotta, um, <laughs> if you can hear Drew speak here in the next few moments, you'll know we continued with the podcast. <laughs> I uh, no, I I think that it is. I, I think that it's good and right because when I read the scriptures, I, I think especially of like the pastoral epistles, where Paul really doesn't mind um, saying that there are people who believe this and this and this, or they they live like this and this, or teach others to do this, and you should avoid those people. Yeah, and you should have nothing to do with those people. And he doesn't even mind naming names, right? <laughs> he doesn't even mind saying. Uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I've turned over to be taught Satan. not to blaspheme, like they, they've shipwrecked their faith. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even mind saying, these are some guys that you better not have anything to do with. And, and people who teach this stuff, um, don't, don't associate yourself with them. And so scripturally speaking, it, it, it seems not only okay, but even good and right at times, kind of a, a proper, proper aspect of shepherding to be able to point out um, to be able to point out where truth is and where truth is not. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I like both the warning because I think 
as we continue, you know, I think this is probably going to make it onto the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for us to kind of hear the weight of that, you know, and we've, yeah. we've, we actually have talked about um, making sure we do this in a way that is definitely going to honor God and still love the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ryan, what else do you want to add to Drew's um, tepid insights? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the, the anxiety that comes with conversations like these, if even the way you phrase the question can, um, I'm a guy with pretty strong opinions most of the time. Like it even makes my heart jump up into my throat a little bit. Um, it comes because we do love the church and we are Paul who will call out those you shouldn't have a fellowship with is also the same guy who will fight tooth and nail for the unity of the church. And so we're now talking about unity um, in the priesthood of believers and um, an institution that's founded on um, the truth as, as much as we're uh, able to understand it. It seems as if you're dealing with two ideas that can at times feel as though they're in tension. Mm-hmm. And so it's the conversation we're about to have is not one that can be had flippantly. It's one that has to be um, wisdom needs to be exercised and care and compassion needs to be um, evident and yet uh, a, a strong allegiance to the foundation of the, of the church, which is the truthfulness of God and, and the, the kingdom as it's manifested in the church. So we're talking about a bit of a murky area. And so this is, I think that it's wise that we don't tread lightly or that we do tread relatively lightly, that we don't just go full force into a conversation like this and, and realize that it can be dangerous to um, perhaps accidentally exclude those who shouldn't be. Yeah. And it can be likewise dangerous to include those who Paul would warn us against. So, Okay. So, Drew, what church do you hate? <laughs> <laughs> Increasingly, uh, Sunnybrook, I think. <laughs> I, you know, we we actually go through and say, okay, what are we going to talk about? So this is actually more planned than it sounds. Sometimes they were not prepared for that question. So I, that was actually just a, that was just a joke. Um, and I, you know, one thing I love about you two guys, and what I love about Sunnybrook, is there is and always has been a real love for the church, um, and a love for her enough to speak truthfully about her. You know, so that's both is both are valuable. I, I, I've, I'm saying this statement more and more. I kind of came to this conclusion a little while back that there is a there is a, um, a revelation of maturity in a person who can speak honestly about their significant other or parents. That if you can accurately describe Amy or Rachel or Andrea in a way that's not critical, but is truthful. Then I can tell, man, Ryan just spoke about Rachel, and he wasn't trying to dog her. Um, didn't kind of lift her up on some crazy pedestal, but he just he really knows her well and loves her. Um, is a sign of, of maturity. And hopefully that's the way we'll be able to speak about not just Sunnybrook, but about the church, mm-hmm. the capital C church, that, the, that there is a, a healthy respect. I love to remind people that, hey, before, you know, and we, and we are going to name names. We're going we're gonna to try to talk as specifically as possible. Um, it's it's good for us to remember that what we are describing here is the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. and I I'd be careful speaking about another man's wife, <laughs> and uh, I don't think we understand uh, you know to fully understand how much Jesus loves His church is is somewhat even of a mystery. Um, we just know it's great. Mm-hmm. So um, so let me let me ask you this. So, so then you know should should we have this conversation? You guys are saying yes. Um, so then what are some of those things obviously that we're looking for? Let's, let's kind of think thematically about, um, as we, as we talk about this, Ryan, um, tell us a little bit. So when, when we, when we talk about other churches amongst our staff or even with other people, what are some of the big things we're describing or talking about? Um, probably the, the primary thing for me and the thing which would govern, uh, most other concerns I'd have for a church yeah. is an absolute, ferocious, unapologetic allegiance to Scripture, um, and Scripture in terms of of its nature, and that is that it is, um, it is without error, and it is kind of the unflinching, binding words of God Himself, and. Uh, and, and if you will allow that to govern the church, not only the preaching, but how the church is actually operated, um, I think that is the primary um, 
the primary issue that I'm looking for, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if say I moved to Dallas and I'm looking for a new church, that's going to be issue number one, because issues number two through 10 will, I think, come as a result of where you land on the authority and nature of scripture. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're saying the Bible and, and, you know, for those that maybe or don't know the kind of the history of this, there was uh, late 1800s here in America, particularly something known as the Battle of the Bible, mm-hmm. Battle for the Bible, uh, where there were some serious questions about how do we treat this ancient book, mm-hmm. um, in part written by men, we believe under the divine uh, protection and sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really did separate literally every church in America, every major denomination in America divided over this question, what do we believe about the Bible mm-hmm. and how do we how do we approach it? And so you're saying... The fact that a church like Eagle Heights Baptist Church um, preaches the Bible mm-hmm. is really kind of where we begin the conversation. The, f- the fact that Life Church um, or Countryside or mm-hmm. a number of other churches, they believe in the Bible. They believe in the authoritative Word of God. Yes. That that kind of is something that and we And when I say I, I will, I'm looking for an orthodox position on the Bible, basically I'm saying I'm looking for a very old view of Scripture, that yeah. which the church believed for the first 15, 16 centuries of its existence, that these are the very words of God and they are absolutely binding on how the church is to exist and how it's to operate and how all the main ideas from the church. And I, I really like also the fact that he said, you know, Drew, and I don't know if you want to add to this or add something else. I like how you pointed out, it, it, this is, some people don't get this. They go, but no, but they have Bibles in their pews. Mm-hmm. Um, they were preaching, I mean, I think it was, he used a Bible. Mm-hmm. So isn't that, isn't, that, I mean, what church doesn't, believe in the Bible. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And there's a, cause this is very interesting. You look at, um, almost every, I was, I was just kind of out of your curiosity, um, just Googling some different denominational beliefs, things like the Presbyterian church, USA, PC USA, we call it, right. Mm-hmm. And, and they affirm, they'll, they'll use the word, they affirm the authority of scripture as God's word. Um, and yet that means something different, right. Mm-hmm. To, to, to say, so, um, to for for the PCUSA church, and we have at least one Presby- PCUSA church here in yep. Stillwater, Presbyter- First Presbyterian Church yep. Yep. in Stillwater is is PCUSA, which we need to differentiate here in just a second. But yep. um, PCUSA would would say yes, the Bible is God's word, but they don't believe it to be necessarily um, completely true and accurate in all areas. Um, that they wouldn't preach from it as though it is completely true and accurate in all areas. And, and mm-hmm. when it comes to certain areas of sin, homosexuality, when it comes to things like sanctity of life in some areas, when it comes to, and so, um, so that, that's what can get dicey. But I like when, when Ryan kind of clarifies, I'm talking about what the yeah. church has believed from the beginning up mm-hmm. till the 17, 1800s, what was never argued. And that is that God's word is inspired by the Holy spirit and that it is completely accurate and true in all that it, it teaches. And, and, and so that's important to be able to catch those things, right? And I, I love the idea also of challenging our people, whether they're from Sunnybrook or let's say they're just from Stillwater and they heard we did this podcast and they're listening. Um, you, you might get a little overwhelmed by going, you're telling me I have to go figure this out? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is good. I mean, it's. I, I think a lot about the statement that's really popular right now that how dare a restaurant not let you know the nutrients um, or the serving sizes and then the nutrients per serving size. If McDonald's is going to feed us, they, they need to let us know what we're eating and how many calories we're consuming and how many of that is fat and how many of that is sodium. Mm-hmm. I, and nobody would say, they would say that's just responsible. Mm-hmm. How much more so when it comes to spiritual diet? Okay, so the Bible, is there anything else? Um, and and I, I think everything's going to yeah. stem from that. Yeah. So, Drew, let kind me, of let me off throw of that. on there. There's, there's nowhere where we find, like, in Scripture, like, a list of these are the things that, mm-hmm. whatever, a church better believe or that you need to be looking for. There's, there's nothing like that. And, and there's some people who want to um, make an issue out of that. You know, the, the Bible doesn't put as much emphasis on you have to believe this and this. Does, it, the Bible doesn't say you must believe this and this and this in order to be an Orthodox Christian or whatever. Um, and, and there's some truth to that, but I really do think like a, a common sense reading of the scriptures sure. helps us to, to, to see what does the Bible emphasize and put its stress on. And, and those are key things to like, so when, when we see that, obviously the, the person and work of Jesus Christ, his identity and what he accomplishes for us through his life and his death and his resurrection, um, man, all of the Old Testament points us towards that. All of the Gospels proclaim that, and all of the, the epistles from there on out explain that. Yeah. They're like, like open yeah. that up to us. And so 
whether there's something like First Corinthians 15 does say, if you don't believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that he actually died and physically raised from the grave, like that's, you are not Christian. That yeah. is a, you're right. And so it's a Christian a, doctrine. Yeah. So a church that doesn't affirm the bodily resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's not a church really. But, but what I'm trying to say is you can, you can read the scriptures and see where a lot of emphasis is put and go, I, I, they, they call, they, they just called it the faith. And later they called it the, the rule of faith or the regular fide, kind of this common, we all kind of know that the person and work of Jesus is important. Mm-hmm. We all kind of know that unrepentant sin, that, that, that Paul lists sexual immorality at the top of every vice list of his, and sure. whether you care or don't care about that, um, like matters. Um, we know that how a person, um, what causes a person to belong to God's people, or we might say how a person is saved. saved right, is like those are things, and, and there's not a list that says these things, but you read the scriptures and you can't get around, yep. that those are key things that if a church doesn't get right, then, yeah. they, then they're, they're off, you know. And, here, and, and, and I think two things. Number one, listen for them in the, you know, see, do, do these people that I'm visiting this church, are these people talking about these things? Is Brent uh, talking about these things? Is Craig talking about these things? Is mm-hmm. whoever, are these things being discussed? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we need mm-hmm. to be listening for those things. Is CJ mm-hmm. saying it? Okay, so we're looking for that. Um, and then even kind of looking at whether it's their programming or their emphasis, um, one of the things that I, I really love, it, and here's, here, let, me, let me say this too. I think it's great that we're not just here to say, this podcast is not what we don't like about other churches. It's mm-hmm. we're just talking yeah. about all of it. Right. And yeah. so I love that. And so a lot of this is going to be, man, it's, it's encouraging me to know that I've got brothers and sisters in the faith across yeah. town. I mean, so this is also a matter of, man, I love the fact that Brent shares my love for salvation by faith through or salvation by grace through faith in Christ yeah. and all of that stuff. So, you know, that, that there's a there's a there's a bond that that actually connects there. Ryan, you were going to say I was just going to say, and this is one of the ways um you can discern whether or not the the leadership of your church or the the um, denomination that you're a part of actually holds to the orthodox belief of scripture because to to have an orthodox understanding of the bible means that you cannot you can't preach or teach your way around the deity of christ it is testified to in scripture it means that you cannot fathom some other uh, means of salvation except through the exclusive faith in the work of Jesus Christ. It means you cannot um, rework morality to yeah, yeah. suit you know, common cultural norms. It means that it's, it's set and determined by the very character of God. These things, all these ideas are determined in the text for us. And so you might not be able to, there might not be a line on a church website or in a statement of faith that says exactly what they believe about the Bible, but if you read uh, kind of all the results of what comes from Scripture, it really needs to align with some of these pretty mm-hmm. profound principles that Drew has laid out for us. Okay. Anything else you guys want to add to the kind of the, you know, you've talked about the Bible, you've talked about salvation, deity of Christ. You know, everything in me wants to always add to this list. And this could be a, probably a good place to, to caution us. Um, like I really would love to add um, mm-hmm. the traditional um, understanding of creation to this list. And I really, I believe you have to believe um, two things from Genesis 1 and 2. And that is that there is a pre-existent God that was uncreated and that, too, he created everything else. That is the foundational orthodox belief of the Bible. Now, like a lot of me wants to go into like the evolution versus the Bible debate. Um, But that's where I believe we've crossed into the realm of you've pushed too far if you're going to start splitting hairs over whether or not someone is a brother or sister in Christ on that issue. Mm-hmm. Salvation, absolutely. Jesus, absolutely. Um, I think the call to holiness, I, I would put that in there too. Sure. But the, a lot of these other things that are very near and dear and that I wouldn't dare sway from, I also, those aren't the issues that we divide over. And that's where, again, a love for the, a church can help me get over a hurdle where I, I might disagree with Jim and his understanding of the creation account. I don't, I don't, I don't, but I, I might. Yeah. But because we agree on Jesus, salvation, and these very fundamental issues that come from the scripture, we're still brothers. And that's okay. where I think unity is still a very, very important thing. Okay. 
Drew, anything you want to add, or do you just want to kind of take that warning and hear it and move on? I've got some, well, yeah, I can get to some stuff here in a bit. Okay. Well, then the, the next question I want to ask is kind of your springboard, obviously, from that. Um, you know, so what, what, then are we, what are we not talking about? And, and let me give you a little bit of a context, okay? So when we're in our 101 class inviting people who have either moved here or maybe even be transferring membership from another church, we love to stand up, or I or whoever, it's usually me, stands up and says, hey, listen, we believe in the church so much and we believe in being part of the church so much that we want you to join a church, whether it's Sunnybrook or not. And at that moment, we even talk about we um, will help you find a church. And if it's not Sunnybrook, man, and we've got kind of a short list of churches that we yeah. have a great relationship with, that we trust, um, that we understand maybe Sunnybrook's too big or Sunnybrook's too small or Sunnybrook's too traditional or Sunnybrook's not traditional enough or whatever. Um, and so we, we help people. I mean, I have helped people go in other directions. I've recommended other churches um, that our people could go at so that they could use their gifts, abilities, and callings the way that God is wiring. Um, so what are we not talking about? Right. So let's let's talk, spend a little bit of time. If we are talking about salvation and the Bible and those things that matter Mm -hmm. most and we're not going to get trapped up in other things. um, What what are we, I guess, not debating about here uh, in terms of this conversation? Yeah. Um, You know, we're not talking about um, what we would consider like non-essential doctrine things, things about uh, sovereignty of God and free will of man, Calvinism, Arminianism. You know, we've already done kind of a whole thing about. Uh, a podcast about why we love Calvinists so much, but this would be a good kind of differentiating point. Like, so Grace Presbyterian Church here yeah. in town with Ryan is, Baker, great yeah, guy, yeah, is not PCUSA like First Presbyterian is. Grace Presbyterian is what we call PCA, Presbyterian Church of America, and and they are very much like us and very close to. They hold very dearly to the scriptures and and to the to the fundamental truths. They 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 are Calvinist in their understanding of how salvation works. Um, but we, as I said, we love Calvinists. And, and so that's like, that's, that's not an issue we're talking about. I, I think of another reformed Presbyterian church with Bruce Parnell here oh, in yeah, town. And yeah. I love that guy and had, <laughs> had a number of, we actually met because we were both trying to share the gospel with this same Baha'i gentleman who then introduced us so we could tag team on him somehow. But, um, on the, uh, but, but Bruce is a great guy in reformed Presbyterian church. He is one of the nicest people. Literally every time I talk to Bruce, I'm like, I need to be nicer. Uh, (laughs) And and though we, though we're going to differ on some things that uh, things like Calvinism, and that also leads even to like worship styles where reformed Presbyterian is non-instrumental and they only sing from the Psalms. They don't sing any any song that was not in the <laughs> Psalms, which like I've asked him, I'm like, I don't even know how you, you know, how you do that, how, you know, but. And um, he just says, the Lord <laughs> is my shepherd, it's not, I shall not want. It's not what he says, but. Oh. Um, I can but, go on. The, but I love, <laughs> like, I love, yeah, and I'm not, I'm going to go on. Um, <laughs> I love Bruce and I love Reformed Presbyterian Church and would have no problem saying, man, yeah. Go to that church. Check that church out, right? So not talking about um, end times beliefs, what you believe about revelation in the end times. Sure. Not talking about, like I said, Calvinism, Arminism, not talking about worship styles, those kinds of things. But. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, going back, I mean, I, I, I have not had a conversation with, I wouldn't be surprised if I disagree with Justin down at Countryside or Brent over at Eagle Heights or John at um, at Hillcrest on some of the uh, the millennial views or yeah. the views, views of revelation. I think we'd be on different pages about that. Um, and you know what? I'm totally fine with them not getting it and me being right. And yeah. you know, it's fun over <laughs> coffee, <laughs> but, but truthfully, um, but truthfully, I mean, that does not, it doesn't get me concerned. If one of our families and fam- our families have, I mean, we know of families who've gone to those other churches and I don't warn them. Yeah. Hey, listen, Brent doesn't understand Revelation the way I do. You need to be careful and watch that guy. Um, no, I totally trust Brent to preach the truth to the best of his ability. I'm going to preach it. And the millennial the millennial positions, as, as much as I love them and I have strong convictions about mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. man, I totally uh, – th- th- those those things aren't, aren't, aren't kind of a dividing thing. Ryan, anything else? All the all – the issues that we've mentioned thus far are actually issues that I wouldn't even feel disturbed about going to any of these churches. I would actually, I could, I'd have no problem worshiping in a Calvinist church or in a church with the Psalms or in a church that preaches revelation differently than I do. Uh, but there, the interesting thing is that there are some non-essential doctrines that um, churches that I love and have no problem recommending 
don't necessarily hold to, but my personal convictions probably wouldn't allow me to go to uh, to worship and uh, or to be on staff at a church like that. And the first one is um, el- being led by elders. Yeah, I I don't believe that that is a in or out of the faith issue. Um, but for me, it's kind of a make or break conviction for me. I feel that um, a church that is governed by elders is the safest place is. Um, the closest to the way to what I understand the text prescribing in terms of how churches are to operate, um, and so that's an issue where there are other great churches in town that won't have elders. Um, but for me, that's it's a bit of a strong personal conviction that I wouldn't necessarily attend a church that doesn't have elders. Sure. Like, and and I'm, I'm sure I think there's exactly still there. Um, so you have some churches that don't have elders because they have they have deacons mm-hmm. and they've got other different you know, ways in which it works. And then you've got a church like Life Church, right? Which is um, kind of a probably mm-hmm. the biggest church in town, well, easily the biggest church in town. Um, and they have more of a board, uh, kind of a, a philosophy that Craig shared a couple of years ago when we were at a Catalyst One Day event. And he was kind of describing that instead of having elders as described, he's got a group of people that he and I'm assuming Life Church submit to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we would come along and say, actually, that's probably not what we would do. And it's yeah. not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and as, although I might be uncomfortable with that, I might say, Hey, listen, I just, it's going to be tough for me to teach from some of these texts in first Timothy and yeah. other places because they seem to be teaching this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like I have to go correct Craig or warn yep. everybody that we know that, uh, that's a, that's a part of that fellowship because we, we, we see some room in that. Yeah. yeah. And, and another one for me would actually be the weekly observance of communion. If we go back to worship styles, that would mm-hmm. be for me, um, it, a, a church governed by elders and a church that takes communion every single time that they gather on on the Lord's Day or however you want to articulate that. These are this is uh, I grew up in churches that didn't do either one of those things, and so now being a part of a tradition or a movement or a non-denomination <laughs> that does value those things so highly, um, I've actually grown to the point where they've become deep convictions of mine that this is how. Um, I feel as though I can stay as faithful to the text, to to the scriptures as possible, and so these are not these are issues that I would not I would never break union with another believer on. I would never break fellowship with them on. But in terms of a congregation that I will be a part of and be and choose to to commit as a member, these are important issues to me. Not non essential, but very important. So let me ask you this: so, so two two of the issues that are, are a big deal to people, right? Is our worship style and size. Okay, I, I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, there is the attractiveness of a bigger church, which, which it's kind of funny because Sunnybrook is kind of on both sides. We get benefit from that, and it's kind of also difficult because we're not the biggest church in Stillwater. And so it's one of those things where people do love. I mean, man, it's just this is an exciting place. God's obviously working here. Look at all this stuff. And so that becomes a big issue. And then the worship style piece, man, my kids just love the music and older people, man, this music's driving me crazy. And um, so, you know, how do we, we, we talk about those things? Um, you know, how, how do we talk about those things? What would you recommend our people be aware of in terms of how they should be thinking about liturgical styles? Because that would be our way of describing worship styles. And then um, when, when it comes to the number of people who are a part of a church fellowship, does that matter? Tell me, tell me, tell me what you guys think, and then let's talk about how we talk about that. Yeah, um, I, I think both of those things—worship style and 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 size of of the church, the people there—like those things. Um, obviously, they're not the end all, be all, but it's it's probably silly to say there's just they don't matter at all. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I try and I try and tell our students when they go, there's some core things that like cannot be moved, like you can't change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, things that, that there's gospel-centered teaching, that there's qualified eldership, that the sacraments are being practiced. You know what I mean? These things, I want you to really go towards these. And then there's some other things that are less important but still matter. I, I, I tell them, find a church that fits you. And, and I actually say the first criteria for fits you is whether or not they have the same emphasis in ministry and missions or whether there are needs that your gifts can meet at yeah. that church. That's first. But then it really is okay to think through um, the size of the church and whether you're comfortable in that and, and, and the worship style. Those are, oh, I'm, you don't have to find, I tell them, you don't have to find the place with the most 
boring music so you can tell yourself you're faithful and you don't care about, <laughs> you know what I mean, things like music, right? Sure. You can, um, th- that should be lower on the priority list, but it's okay for mm-hmm. it to be there, you know? Yeah. I know that, I know that, you know, even talking with my own kids, you know, they like this particular style. They struggle with this particular style. And when I've had a chance to speak at a number of places, I take them with me. Hey. And they're like, wow, that music was terrible. And I didn't like that. It's too traditional. And I love to point out to them, you know, but be careful, like judging that because truthfully, those people were honoring God and loving God. And we need to honor and love that, you know? And so I like how you described it, that their that worship styles do matter. And we try to tell our people, um, you know, we have adopted this worship style, not because we're trying to be cool, but we look at the gifts that God has given us. We look at the context where God has placed us at Oklahoma, in, in Oklahoma State, you know, kind of a backyard mm-hmm. scenario. And so we recognize the kind of the, the the major demographic and we see what's going on. We look at the giftedness of Steve and the rest of the worship team. And, you know, and then we make a choice and we, ha- and we just have to. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not the rocking-ist New Year's group in, in town. And um, we're also not the most traditional. And so we kind of have chosen that. And um, we really haven't chosen it to... Uh, to, 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 to primarily just fit a demographic, it happens, I think, much more naturally mm. in terms of us looking at what we have and what we're trying to, what we're trying to aim for kind of simultaneously. Um, talk about, talk a little bit about the, um, just the, how big a congregation is and mm. some of the things that maybe people should be thinking through or things that we even help people think yeah. through. Um, I think congregation size is a, an issue to consider. Um, it's, it's a relative issue. So, uh, your congregation could be 20,000 strong or it could be 20 people. And both of those could be okay in certain situations. And and my first um, criteria that I would put up against that is um, the size of the pastoral staff. Um, this is why, you know, um, I think that Life Church is a good church. One of the problems I think they run into is that I think that they are, for their size, a bit understaffed. I, I don't know if... Um, not just the preaching ministry, but the, the pastoral care that you ought to expect of your leadership can really take place if you have too many people devoted to a single minister. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I heard and, the, and the bigger you get, the more complicated that becomes. Sure. So that same principle would actually apply to Sunnybrook. Well, it would apply to everybody. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, a church, a, a tenth of our size, functioning with only one pastor, so to speak, could still be in trouble of n- not being able to care for the flock, so to speak. Yep. Yep. Um, one, one um, I guess he's an author, blogger guy that uh, I really enjoy. He's on a podcast called uh, Mere Fidelity. His name is Alistair Roberts. And he says, um, if you line up or like if you take your average of your pastoral, like per- pastor to congregant, and if, if they need, basically, if they need to be amplified for everyone to hear, you might actually be pastoring too many people. <laughs> so what he's saying is if, if like, so Sunnybrook, how many pastors do we have? 10? Yeah, 13, 14. Okay. So we're under 100 per person, right? Um, but imagine if we just all left and it's Jim by himself. And so we have the same congregation size, but it's only Jim. Um, can the necessary care for this flock actually continue to take place? And I would argue, no, I I really don't think it could. And so um, big church, little church, I really don't know if that is the question as much as uh, um, how can can God's leaders be faithful to their their calling over a specific flock if, if they're outnumbered, so to speak? Okay. Drew, anything you want to add to that? Uh, nope. Nothing at all. Well, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I talked about the worship stuff. I can talk about size stuff, I guess. I just, the only thing, I, the only concern with size is there's some people who, who I think make an idol of it either way. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who tend to think, and I guess this can be true in every issue, is I, I think there's some people who use large because large feels like you even kind of said it. Some people will come and say, man, God's really working here and all that. Yeah. And it could just be that we have good amplifiers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or it could just be that we've, whatever, got money to put some cool things on stage or, you know what I yeah. mean? And don't confuse big and loud and hustle and bustle with um, life with life and the spirits work and all of those things. It mm-hmm. can be, and I hope it is. I hope that's true at Sunny Rook. I believe it is, but, but don't confuse that with it. Right. And then yeah. there's some who make an idol of the small church and, 
and who think that like that's that's where the real committed people are is we're not in the into the mega church we're in this small thing we're in the the family i confess i think sometimes my tendency is almost to to make an idol of that i sometimes yep. talk to you guys joke about man how, how cool would it be to be just like a pastor just a church of 200 you know yep. what i mean and yep. and what can we do to whittle this place down a little bit i don't know but um <laughs> but we you know that that's not necessarily true either that that small doesn't always mean more faithful or more committed sometimes it just means comfortable yeah you know what i mean we're yeah, comfortable yeah. with this and and so just be careful with those things and i think it's you know we, we we deal with this actually quite a bit because kind of somewhat stuck in the middle and we've got bigger than us and we've got smaller than us that um i'm constantly dealing with people that are either loving the fact that it's bigger because you know especially with our college students right who come from smaller churches mm-hmm. somewhere in oklahoma or um, somewhere else in Texas, and they just, man, I love Sunnybrook. It's so much bigger than my home church, which I only had a hundred and so people. Yeah. And we want to say, hey, that's, I'm glad you like it here. Um, we're going to hopefully in the three or four years that we have you, help you value yeah. and appreciate more than just the number of pastors that we have or the quality of music that you might hear or something like that yeah. to help them, help them see the bigger help them see the bigger picture and, and love the church instead of just loving yeah. the particular size of, of, uh, of one particular fellowship. A, a couple of dangers on each side of the spectrum. Too large and your average churchgoer runs the risk of simply becoming a spectator, yeah. of, of not being involved in the church's mission of coming every single week to just um, watch a production being put on. That, that's a risk you run the larger you get. On the smaller side of the spectrum, you actually run the risk of becoming a little too... Um, isolated from the world you you're you're not constantly being forced to meet new people like you might be in a new church so um it it can feel it can it can feel very closed in and and these are the things that whatever size church you end up at you you just need to be aware of the the natural pitfalls of size and uh faithfulness to the gospel can of course overcome either one but yep and on the other side i love to i love to challenge our people that you know you might have a harder time if you're um, an introvert, if uh, you're kind of passive, you're going to passively sit back and not because not as a spectator, but just it's harder for you to get involved. It's harder for you to connect in. Then, uh, you know, th- I, I get it if this church is too big and you feel like you're going to get lost. Mm-hmm. And then I recommend, hey, you should check out. And I list some churches and, you know, right near the top of that list. I just love well, the work that's happening at Eagle Heights. I love the work that's happening and a number of other churches. I guess I usually think of them first because of my, I know Brent, but um, man, I just if they if they told me, hey, I'm over at Hillcrest. Hey, John's a great guy, or hey, we're um, on the south side of town. I mean, the church I drive by on a pretty regular basis is Countryside, mm-hmm. and it's neat to see it doing well um, with 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 Justin there. And if I hear someone's going there, it's really easy to celebrate that and say, man, tell you how, say hi to him for me, and mm-hmm. you know how can we be uh, encouraged by and praying for your your ministry. So I think that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool thing. So, um, so when, when, when someone, let's say someone's asking me, uh, I'm I'm looking at checking out a new church. I don't know if I like where I'm at. Maybe they, maybe they might've been coming to Sunnybrook next Sunday, start of the new year. We're looking for some new stuff. Drew, what, what specific things would you tell them to be looking for as they're checking out a new church? What would we recommend? Yeah. I, I tell our students a lot to think through whenever they leave here and go to a, when they graduate, go to a new church to, to ask um, one kind of simple question is how often in the preaching do you hear Jesus brought up and and who he is and what he does you know what I mean because there are a lot of churches I had a I had a girl come to me in our in our from our college class um, a few months ago and she just said I'm wondering about my home church because there's just I just started noticing since I've been at Sunnybrook that there's something different about the way you guys preach from the way my home church does and, and she's, she was trying to put her finger on it. It's like they're, they're preaching good things about living a good life and doing right things, but I just don't hear a whole lot of stuff about sin and grace and the cross and, you know, those things. And, and so we did some research together. She told me the name. I looked at it. It actually ended up being a PCUSA church. Uh, okay. And I said, well, there's a reason. Is, is Churches can come and they can speak about good things and living a good and kind life a lot of times um, or, or loving your neighbor those things without really focusing on the, the whole um, foundation of that right and good life and that is who Jesus is and what he's done for us without even there's a good chance your minister might not even believe in that 
um, that, that Jesus really is the son of God who died and physically rose again from the grave. And so look for those things. And, and, and sometimes you need to actually go ask specific questions. Like, what do you believe about the person of Jesus? Because I remember you helped me with this. Um, so there's a church here in town, first Christian church. And this gets this can get really confusing to people because it, you see First Christian Church and you see Sunnybrook Christian Church and that sounds like the same thing when actually we are completely different. They're from what we call the Disciples of Christ denomination, which might be outside of like Unitarian Universalist, might be the most liberal denomination theologically in the nation as yeah. far as yeah. um, they they have a very low view of the mm-hmm. truth of Scripture and of the supernatural God's work, and they have a very um, um, lenient view on sin issues in a lot of ways. And so um, disciples of Christ Church, I would say the way you can tell, it'll say Christian church, just like our church does, but they'll always have a little chalice with yep. a cross on it. And yep. that's kind of how you can yep. tell that's a disciples of Christ Church, which mm-hmm. we broke away from about a hundred years ago, our church did, or, yep. or maybe, maybe almost a hundred. Yep. Yeah. Because of, because of how increasingly liberal and increasingly far away they got. But I remember Jim, you, you sharing a little while, you can go and sit like sit in a disciples of Christ church a first Christian church or something like that, and, and hear, hear them talk about it at Christmas. It is really important for us at Christmas to focus on the Christ child. And everybody sits in the pews and they go, amen. Yeah, we really should focus on Jesus. But what that minister actually means is something along the lines of focus on the spirit of Christmas and mm-hmm. gratitude and giving, or, or at Easter to talk about putting our, our hope in, in the resurrection of the Christ but they're not talking about the physical bodily resurrection. They're just talking about um, putting hope in new beginnings. And the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so no. re- literally you, you have to sometimes go to ministers yeah. sometimes and ask this question. Do you believe that Jesus physically bodily rose from the grave? Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe, here's, this sounds like a, a silly one, but I'll, I'll explain why. Like, what are your positions on gay marriage? And, and it's not because that's the hot button issue, but because churches who slide on the inerrancy and authority of Scripture, this is one of the first yep. easy areas f- for that to be noticed in. Sure. Because mm-hmm. the culture is pushing so hard yep. towards that, that if you start to let go of the authority of Scripture, that's one yep. of the first areas you'll go in. And so it's not that gay marriage is the end-all, be-all that we all need to be not careful of. Not at all. It's just that that's usually a fairly good indicator. If someone's letting go of that, it's usually because they've also let go of the lordship of Jesus yeah. in a lot of other areas. You know, it's funny because we call it politically, we call them litmus tests. Yeah. And um, it's almost like, do they have a litmus test? Like it's a bad thing. And we're not trying to use it in that context. We're saying these things are going to be indicators of what's happening down the road yeah. um, kind of and where this has even come from. Um, and, you know, I, I, I want to say this number to be very, very clear with this. The number one rule I have, whether it's about uh, people that we know rather well, like Brent and Justin and, and that, and the, and the preaching of at that Life Church, even though I don't know Craig at all, um, man, I've heard him speak enough times and been challenged and blessed by him and know that ministry and many of the pastors on staff so many times that I can, um, I can recommend that church and I don't get concerned when I know that people go there. Okay, So that being said, I still would challenge everybody to not either believe something we've said Go and talk to yourself what your PCUSA or PCA mm-hmm. people believe. So instead of it being, hey, Jim and Ryan and Drew said X about such and such a church, that the Church of Christ here in town, they believe blah, blah, blah. Um, this is the part that's always sad is that I meet people all the time and they've never, they've never asked mm-hmm. their church leaders what they believe about these things. And I'm always a big fan of um, you got to be very not, not careful because we don't want to offend people. But I've seen churches that are, they're just, they're very, very complicated. It's a little bit when someone looks at me and says, what does Sunnybrook believe? Yeah. Where do I draw that line between what Jim Johnson believes and what Sunnybrook Christian Church believes? Sometimes I'm the lead minister and sometimes I'm actually just Jim the congregant. And so how does that work? And how does that, you know, how, how does that work through my own mind? And really want to encourage you, whatever church that you're going to, I, I, I just, I'd be shocked if, if the guys that I know, particularly like CJ and Brent and Justin and that, um, Ryan, that they wouldn't say, yeah, I'd love to have this conversation with yeah. you. The pastors at Life Church, sure, we'd love to have this conversation with you about why we believe the Bible is true and why we emphasize these things and here is our view on this. Um, I just can't imagine any of them wouldn't even welcome yep. these things. Yeah. Did I cut you off or did you kind of hit that? No, I think, I, think, I mean, I, I could talk 
over and over about a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah, and who knows? We may spark something and, yeah. and, and continue on. Last question, and we're kind of near the end of our time, but here's the here's the idea that I want us to close with. Um, obviously, this this can be kind of a controversial subject in some sense. Man, we're speaking about somebody else. It almost, are we gossiping? Are we gossiping? I don't think we're gossiping. Are we gossiping? That's kind of what it feels a little bit like, and yet I don't think we are. I mean, in one hand, I'm, I, I would not be afraid. Uh, actually, I'm going to probably encourage pastors that I know went down to listen to this and give me their feedback and yeah. tell me what they think. And man, if I did anything, if I said anything that was somewhat, you know, erroneous, man, let me correct that. I, I sure would love to do that. Um, how, how should we be careful when we talk about other churches? What are some things that we need to, man, be aware of? How can we be, without being politically correct and mm-hmm. the dangers of that, how do we at least recognize the carefulness in the, in the process? Um, we, we, when, when you're talking about other churches or anybody in general, it's, it's always a danger to assume, you know, the thoughts and intentions of someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you've never heard, um, a a sermon from first Christian church, or if you've never done your own homework or your study on first Christian church or, or the disciples of Christ as a denomination, if you've never done like kind of the hard work to, to, really ask questions and, and seek to understand before you start to put forth your own opinions. Um, that's just not fair to people. And, and we really, especially when you're talking about the bride of Christ, you need to exercise caution before you start making accusations. If they're, especially if they're based on hearsay or second, third opinions, um, seek to understand the position of whoever it is you're, you're having this conversation with, especially if they're a part of that denomination. Um, because a lot of times, um, I think we're, we're speaking from a pretty safe position and I think we're, we're not making reckless assumptions about people, but on occasion I could say, you know, you believe X, Y, and Z. And they'd be like, no, I don't. I've never heard that in my church. And, uh, and, and it just would be unkind. I think it would be, I think it would be frankly unchristian to, to label someone before, um, before understanding kind of the way that they think through these things and what it is they truly believe before you project on them what it is you think they believe. Yeah, what Amer- what do Americans believe about the election? Yeah, generalities. They're, they're the, very the dangerous. Generalities are, there are people, even within PCUSA, that are uh, conservative. There are, I mean, although that's not the PCUSA stand. Yeah, mm-hmm. like right? Drew said. Same yeah. within Lutherans and the Episcopal Church. And Yeah, you could you could be sitting in Salem Lutheran Church and have no idea what your pastor believes because you're you're hearing words like the Christ child and you're you're understanding them in a way differently than he means. And so there, we actually have a family in our church that came from um, Salem Lutheran Church and they held pretty orthodox beliefs for a long time in this denomination before they finally saw enough evidence from the ministerial staff that they had deviated from kind of Christian orthodoxy. The, the orthodox position. And so um, people in these congregations might not always agree with the official party line, so to speak. So, yep. Yep. Drew, anything on the careful side? I would just say um, watch your heart as far as the tendency in all of us as human beings to kind of base some level of um, identity um, in in the success of our church and and to weirdly get I think all of us have some bit of it in it to weirdly get um, hurt by the success of others <laughs> when it looks like it hurts us and that can be that can go on to groups like churches right yeah, and into yeah. into you know just be be careful about getting frustrated at church or taking cheap shots at a church just because it's doing well Sometimes we want to make silly statements about that's because well they just lower their standards. They, yeah, because, they don't they don't really preach like yeah, we do because yeah, yeah. we really preach the gospel. So the reason why Life Church is growing, or the yeah. reason why I mean I'm sure people said that about Sunnybrook. The reason why yeah. Sunnybrook's growing is because they're not as committed to the gospel. Yeah, those things yeah. always make me really nervous. I and I you know I had to have this conversation with my boys who are now old and gone, but I knew my kids love to share their opinions freely. Mm-hmm. And I just said to them, hey, guys, listen, these are some things I don't want to hear about. Like, I don't want you to hear talk flippantly about other churches. 
Yeah. I want you to be very, very careful. And if you want to have a real conversation about a difference that we might have, even with what we would consider to be sister churches who yeah. are on the same page as us, if you want to have a real conversation about how Countryside and, and Sunnybrook or uh, Stillwater Bible Church is different than Sunnybrook, you want to have that real conversation, then let's have that real conversation. Mm-hmm. But we're not just going to take cheap shots because yeah. that doesn't glorify or uh, it's just not a not a healthy position yeah. to, I have to a, take. I have a really good all. friend who's a part of a Reformed congregation here in town, a very sound, biblically orthodox reformed congregation. And he loves to use Facebook to champion his his movement, his denomination, um, at the expense of others that I would consider to be his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've, and I've had to have a number of conversations with him off of Facebook <laughs> to say, like, I understand your zeal. Believe me, I understand your zeal. I don't agree with you on everything, but I understand the passion and the fervor with which you believe these things, just know that your caustic attitude towards others that I believe are, are part of the church too is doing more damage than perhaps even some of these, quote, liberal doctrines that you're accusing others of having. You're, you're a bit of a bull in a china closet, and yeah. you're not doing the bride of Christ any favors by behaving like this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, one of the things I think we need to be careful of is to not say anything. Um, one of my desires is for our people at, here at Sunnybrook to know that we talk about other churches. And then when they go, really, what do you say? And I'm going, man, I just, I really think that's a great church. <laughs> um, and I want them to hear me say that. Yeah. I want them to know that. And I really, and, and to, but then on the other side to say, man, I'm really concerned about this denomination and the direction that they're going in because of their lack of appreciation for the Bible as the authoritative word of God is understood orthodoxically through history, okay? Um, and I think one of the things that we need to be careful of is not talking about other churches. Mm-hmm. To not, and I, and I wouldn't say this on the up and the downside, to not recognize, like, these are the unique distinctives of countryside. These are the distinct uniquities of Hillcrest and Sunnybrook and whatever. And for us to be even grateful for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've, we've partnered with Mount Zion, um, uh, missionary Baptist, and I'm really grateful for the differences, and yet I'm grateful for the partnership that we have. Mm-hmm. And if we never talk about it, I think there's probably a greater likelihood that we can have some of those problems where we'll speak wrongly about somebody else, or we'll not even get to know someone. And I'm even, you know, I'm, I'm challenged every at the beginning of every year to try to think how can I help there be a growing awareness of what the church in Stillwater is all about. Mm-hmm. How can we love one another? How can we become more unified? Um, and yet the truth of scriptures demand that we have honest conversations with people that we disagree with and to try to pretend that the, 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 the weakest link or the lowest common denominator is what unites us. As Orthodox Christians, we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. We believe that we separate before the, the, that last pin that falls, which is just let's love one another. That's not our last pin, actually. Our last pin resides in the nature and the purpose of God as expressed in Scripture, yeah. right? That's where the pin falls for us. Yep. And it's just, it's good for us to recognize that. So yep. yeah, the biggest thing I'd say to be careful of is be careful not talking about it. Yep. Be careful how you talk about it and be careful about not talking about it. So, well, that's uh, it for our time. I hope that, um, man, I hope that we've done something that, that God is pleased with. That's number one, because if not, I'm going to tell him that you guys dragged me in here and made me do this. <laughs> but I really do. I mean, we'd love to hear some feedback. And if there's any specific stuff, you know, as we've said a number of times, we'd love to know how we can uh, how we can answer some of those questions. So who knows? We'll see if this uh, either creates uh, additional conversation or whether or not we've kind of uh, done, our, done our deal for the day. Um, welcome to 2017.